Welcome to Fridays with Authenticate and Nate, where we welcome you into our living room, have a drink, and a conversation. Come on in and join us. Hello, welcome back to Authenticate and Nate. Hey, everyone. How are you all doing? I, I saw this article today and I had to bring it up. The Hubble Space Telescope has snapped a record-setting image showing the most important individual star ever seen. Furthest away, it's 12.9 billion light years, not miles, light years away yeah. from us. And apparently 50 times brighter or larger than the sun. Are they buzz light years? <laughs> they could be. I, I thought it was funny because as I read this, the, the picture looks like the speck. Like dust could be wiped away from the picture and the, you wouldn't see anything. Mm. While the, the Big Bang that created the universe was 13.8 billion years ago, regardless of what you think about the Big Bang, um, <laughs> I'm like, wait a minute. So they took this picture <laughs> by the Hubble Space Telescope and they found all of that out how? I don't know. That's It's a little wild to me. Takes faith. Yes. So that's a current event in our skies. Um, we also have to bring up the slap heard around the world. Do we? <laughs> Do we have to bring it up? I think it's worth bringing up. Okay. No, okay. Kate knows that I don't have any celebrity love like whatsoever. Right? Correct. Yeah. We, we talk about... Movies, I love to watch movies. I wouldn't say I'm a movie, a total buff or anything like that. But I will say that I just simply don't care about the stars. And You don't even know who they are most of the time. Most of the time, I don't know who they are. I really don't care. I, I think that there are people doing usually a pretty good job at what they do. But they really, they really frustrate me when they start talking about political stuff especially. Mm-hmm. Or any other thing that telling us how to live. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was kind of funny because I, when I see that video, it looks kind of fake to me. And I know there's a big controversy of whether this was staged or not. And why would they stage it? And other people were like, well, why wouldn't they stage it? The, the um, Grammys were – not Grammys. What is it? The, the Oscars. Oscars are literally the, the lowest. I think this year it might have been a little bit better. But it was some of the worst years of viewership ever. And so, you know, what better when nothing special is happening – Go ahead and plan for these guys to have this conflict. But I don't know. Do people really care that much? I mean, um, I don't know. Have people stopped talking about it? I guess people haven't. I could really care less. We're talking about it right Honestly, now. Honestly, you brought it up. I wasn't going to I did bring it up, it. which is ironic, right? But uh, what did Conan O'Brien say? Which that guy cracks me up, man. He wanted to borrow somebody's late night show real quick. So he could report on it or bust mm-hmm, on it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, that's pretty funny. The show must go on. I have to tell you a story that happened on Tuesday, Tuesday, hmm. when we were playing soccer. Okay. So I play pickup soccer uh, at least twice a week. It's something that I just absolutely love, and Kate knows that it is a joy of mine to play this this game that I discovered later in my years yes. um, that I love, and I never played it in school or college or anything like that. But you have a natural affinity, honey. Yes, I, th- I. It's just something that, I, and I realized when I started playing it, I, I loved watching it too. And um, my one friend Tim said to me one day, he's like, "Nate, are you watching the the World Cup coming up?" And I'm like, "Because uh, I, I may have we may have talked about this in one episode, but I, we just didn't watch a lot of sports in my family growing up for whatever reason." Same. Really? Same. Obviously, you know who my parents are. No sports at all. Huh? 
Okay, maybe tennis with like Andre Agassi in the summer. And bridge. Maybe that. Bridge? Bridge championships. No. No? no. <laughs> Doesn't your mom like bridge? No. Hmm. Okay. PBS? No, I'm talking like not bridge building or... I know, not bridge building. The game bridge. Yeah. No, I don't <laughs> okay. know if she's ever played bridge. You sure? Pretty sure. Huh. Mom, correct us if I'm wrong. That's right. Let us know. Not sure if she's played Pinochle either. What else do you want to bring up? Pinochle is one that I would like to try. I don't know why. It just I'm just glad if I can spell really it correctly. Pinochle. 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 Pinope. What is that? What is that movie with the trying to say Penelope? <laughs> oh. I think it's Steve Martin. No, no, I don't no. Know. It doesn't matter. You're getting off track. Okay. Back to soccer. Yeah, um, if you are a brand new listener to this podcast... We're sorry. At least on this this uh, Friday drop. Well then, and you're looking for a polished, um, well-scripted podcast... It is not here. Come from whence you came. <laughs> because, go or, from whence you came? Go from oh, whence you came. On we move. So, I was playing soccer on Tuesday. Yes. And good friend Phil, who is phenomenal, we want to have him on this podcast yes, sometime. Yes, He's so cool. He's British. Has been working with kids first at a camp for many years um, in, I think, Wisconsin. Kathy and he are good friends of ours. And so he's British and kind of has always been playing soccer for a long time. Footy. That's right. It's footy. And uh, so he and I, we <laughs> we are playing indoors currently because of the weather outside. And um, Wimps. We, we both went up for this ball. And I've been playing with Phil long enough to know... When he does his trickery, mm. and he does trickery, like he's 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 the guy that like he's the perfect example of the young guys who come onto the basketball court or the racquetball court or whatever, and they're like, oh man, my athleticism is gonna crush this guy. And then the old guys, you know, they they completely annihilate like the young ones because they're just smart in how they play the game. Mm-hmm. Like they conserve energy all the right ways, and and Phil's brilliant at that but he's also very british in style he plays soccer so dare i say even like and i refer to you as kind of old so that's not yeah wow i love you phil well phil is not a spring chicken i will say that Well, he's not a chicken at all whatever anyways phil commonly will will leave very very young guys very fit guys laying on the ground because he just did some cool little trick. I respect that. And we, That's awesome. we were going all hard and, and then all of a sudden we're, we're on the ground and he, as the kids would say, broke our ankles. Mm-hmm. And uh, on he goes to do something fun. And of course, Phil also, very very Phil-like, I call it, call it very Philly. <laughs> Anyways, he, uh, if he has an open shot on the goal, he likely will not take it. He'll do something weird to purposely miss it or try some strange thing to give it away to somebody else so they can score. So he's just total control of the ball. But anyway, so he and I come and clash at the same time up against the wall to get to this ball. And I know that he's about to do one of those tricks because I've played with him long enough to know when he's going to do that. And so (laughs) he started to do something like that. But we just got clung up together in this awkward like position. And he started to fall slowly backward. I like held my ground and started to fall with him. And we did this slow motion fall that that went all the way to the ground. <laughs> it was hilarious because uh, I, he texted me later and said that he's pretty sure that we have to report this to our wives because uh, the 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 contact also very British. Like he doesn't give high fives. A small handshake, 
you know, arm not too extended. Keep, right, right, right. <laughs> it's like, He's excellent at making tea. That's right. <laughs> but, uh, you know, when everyone's, you know, high-fiving and hugging and this and that, feels like, no, 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 I'm good. Mm-hmm, yeah, mm-hmm. well done. See you later. Laddie. <laughs> he doesn't say laddie, <laughs> but yeah. And, uh, but we... We crashed, if you want to call it, it very like a slow. Hug, a sl- slow motion, yes, sweaty it was, hug. It was like that moment in um, Along Came Polly. Isn't that the movie where they're playing basketball? Yes, and yes, the, yes. Yeah, Ben it's Stiller horrifying. gets the. I think it's Ben Stiller. That gets, guy is sweaty. Yeah, and gets ben it all tries to the to face. Get the ball and he like slides down the guy's sweaty stomach with his face. Yes, yeah, so I would be the sweaty guy it. in that scenario, and Phil. It, is Ben Stiller? I don't know. I don't know what who he is in that scenario. But we we fall to the ground and just laugh. It's hilarious. Get up and we we gave a gentlemanly like handshake. Sorry that I violated you type thing, and <laughs> and then walked away. But wow. it was a lot of fun. I do have to mention, um, you know, it's, we talk about him being British and not a high fiver and this and that. But he and Kathy also are not big huggers. No. And I wanted to bring this up because this is a fun topic to talk about. Okay. You know who you are. You know who you are who do not like to be hugged unless you're initiating that hug. Or usually it's just like, that's not a comfortable thing for you. And uh, I think it's hilarious, kind of in an evil way, to watch these people get hugged Mm -hmm. when you know them. And you're like, oh, they're squirming right now. <laughs> they're totally uncomfortable with this. That's true. It is fun. And But then you have your other side of people who are like, oh, I'm sorry. I'm just a hugger. Which is like, bull crap. Like, you're just a hugger? Like, I'm just a puncher. So can oh. I just like punch? Wow. <laughs> because you got the punch, or sorry, not the punching side. You got the hugging side and you got like the people who are like, no, no, no. I'm okay with that contact not occurring. And, uh, you know, they come together suddenly. Oh, we're just huggers. Well, I'm not. And, you know, you can physically see some of your friends <laughs> who do up. not like to hug, <laughs> tense up, and it's like, wait for it to be over. And then, you know, on they go. And they're usually very, very kind about it. But it's it's just funny that... Uh, I yeah. think sometimes it's awkward because you don't know, like, if we have people over for dinner and, like, I've hugged them when they come in, but then I don't always hug when they leave or there's that awkward moment where you're just looking at each other. It's like, do we hug or do we not hug? Well, yeah. I don't know. Because <laughs> you're leaving? I'm not sure. If I... I'm not opposed to hugs. I'm not, I wouldn't say I'm a big hugger, but I'm not opposed to hugs either. Yeah, well. I'm kind of in the middle. I'm cool with it, but I can go without it as well. Depends who it is as well. Absolutely. Like, I'd say we fall in the middle. We used to go to a church that was a hugging church. Oh, boy. Holy moly. You couldn't walk through that thing anywhere or that the building without getting multiple hugs all the time. Yes. And, uh, you know, some churches are like that. Some are not. Uh, Others, you just, you know nod at each other or whatnot. There's lots of differences there, but it's just kind of funny because we're okay either way. I mean, mm-hmm. we're fine, but we, we do have friends like my friend, Sal. I'm like, Sal, are we hugging friends or do we hug? He's like, ah, I'm not sure. We just do you want to try did, it out and we, see? <laughs> we want to see how it feels or no. Um, but some of my best friends, like we don't hug, but then there's other guys like Ace Davis Stands like what six oh, five? I love Ace hugs because I'm so tiny and he's so tall. Ace is like the equivalent of a Ben Franklin. If you six saw six foot him, five Ben Franklin, yeah, an awesome, awesome guy, and uh, recently retired as a house parent. But um, he grew up in Africa. His family literally escaped during apartheid with their lives. Um, incredible story. He was also in the uh, special forces in the army. 
played uh, semi-professional rugby. So this guy's huge, big, fun, hilarious. But when Ace and I see each other, we we hug every time. There's no question about it. So I love you, Ace. There's also, now that you bring up hugging, cheek kissers. And I feel like I'm never prepared for it. Like when you hug someone and it's just a friend or whatever, and then they hug you and then they give you a quick kiss on the cheek too. I'm always like, oh, oh, okay, right. You're the cheek kisser. Forget every time. I don't. Go on. I don't kiss people like that. I kiss you and I kiss our daughters. But that's it. Yeah. I feel like the the cheek kissing is a lot like, sometimes for, for some people, it's a lot like how I feel about fedora wearing. Interesting. Like, I like, okay. Yeah, hold on. I'm going to go right, somewhere with this. I hope you this. have a point. I, hopefully I don't lose it, but I'm trying to drive the train somewhere. So I enjoy hats like fedoras and cabbie hats and stuff like that. And I have a bunch of them. But unfortunately, we don't live in a city. There's not a lot of focus on style or that kind of style, I would say, around where we work or live or whatever. So when well, I w- our job doesn't require it. We're yeah. in the household. They take yeah. care of your kids. We're it's not, not like I'm up. going to a job. Right. But like even now in today's world, like hats are just not what they used to be. And I wish they were, mm-hmm. right? <laughs> and so when I wear them, I, I love to wear them because I just – I love the style. I like the look. But um, I'll inevitably get these like uh, – like basically that feel like you're trying to be cool. No, like I like I like these hats. So I feel like some some cheek kissers because it's clearly not a part of the American culture much. Right. We're right. Not French. No. European. Italian. Yeah. I don't know. Italian. Italians kiss each other, right? I don't know. I'm sorry if we've offended anybody who's kissers out there, but I, but I feel like the the guy or lady who uh, does the kiss, it's a, it's a warm embrace to them. Yeah. But they're clearly doing it in an area or in a society or a culture that it doesn't do it It just that always much. takes me by surprise. <laughs> right. It catches me off guard. So I feel like the hat, it's a hat thing where they're trying to, to make it more of a thing, but it's not, so it just falls flat. Right. That's me and the hats. Okay. There you go. Full circle. Well done. Yeah, thanks. Okay. Well, I'm getting eyes from you because we spent a lot of times on the hug. And I feel the- like you say that I'm always giving you eyes. Every episode. I probably am, but I am looking right at you. <laughs> that is true. And I like to make different faces, as we know. It's true. What's funny is when we listen to these later, I remember most of the looks you gave me at certain points. Well, good. Next time, take a picture. Next. Next. Let's move on. So this week, you um, did a reel <laughs> about a subject that, you know. Well, I, I did a post first. Yeah. Then I did a reel. We wanted to comment on that just a little bit to talk about um, that subject um, and not spend too much time on the fact that a few people did not like that. No, they didn't. Yeah. This is my first pushback. That's interesting. Mark always says, my good friend Mark always says that people who review like restaurants, for instance, Mm. usually those of us who just enjoyed it, it was fine, like don't really go out of their way to rate restaurants, right? Right, right. Usually, um, it comes down to either you really hated it, or there's something that offended you, or whatever, or you super loved it, like you were right, very agreed. impressed. And then, and usually the haters are usually the ones who rate things like that more often, very so, viscerally. Yes, that's right. And so there, there was a little bit <laughs> of some touchy subject for some people. Well, uh, like five people. Yeah, but it, it's worth mentioning. Um, but the the subject was um, having your the value of having your kids do chores and what it teaches them. Yeah, around the house um, chores, things that that they take responsibility How they help for. 
because they live there. They're part of the family unit. And why should mom and dad do everything while you sit on your butt? And it's interesting because um, those people who are commenting, their perspective was, I believe a kid should only be a kid, should only be playing. Mm-hmm. And that's the only thing they should, they, that is their job. And what was really curious, um, I'll, I'll use curious lately, was that um, the implication that we were bad parents? Oh yes, for for making our kids slave labor. Oh, someone so, said disgusting. Disgusting, yes. I can't believe you'd have your kids do that. Yeah, interesting. Yes, they are. You're not your basically your hired workers, and you're the parent. You're to be caring for them. They should not be doing anything at all except schoolwork and play. Okay, and they can learn all of the things that I mentioned, like work ethic, character discipline, attention to detail, all the things that I mentioned, they said they can learn that any other way. Mm. And I hope they do. Mm. I do want to spend a little bit of time talking about maybe that subject a little bit, just for anybody who may mm-hmm. have not read that or because it's it's worth talking about. Um, the, the topic of, of responsibility for kids around the house and what they can do to be helpful um, to the family unit um, to the community, if you will. In this case, it is the family. So just give us some of your perspective on uh, like what kind of what you're talking about. I will mention also that you, you posted this week the four types of parenting. I did. Walk us through that. Let me see if I can remember all of them. The first one is permissive. It is really child-driven. You kind of are letting your kids take the lead. and Not a lot of rules, right? Not a lot of rules, Um Probably not a lot of discipline since there's not a lot of rules. And so there's that. Most likely the people that think we're disgusting parents are probably permissive. I disgust myself. Yeah. I did say to Kate, I was like, I would not like to see how their kids act around everybody else or how helpful they would be and so on and so forth. Because, yeah, we uh, it take a lot for us to buy the fact that they have learned all of those things just by playing a sport or whatever. Not that they can't learn those things, that they're not reinforced at those as sports. I do agree. Or, Work ethic and discipline absolutely. and attention to detail, they're taught across Playing the board in many different things. But I was specifically talking about what chores teach, and they do teach those things. Right. Um, the second one is neglectful, which hopefully no one listening is, and hopefully no one strives to be a neglectful parent where you're absent and not paying attention to your kids. You're not concerned about their behavior. You're not connected to their emotions. You're just not present. Maybe physically, maybe emotionally, not there. Um, And then there's authoritarian, which is what my dad was in my family, where it's very parent-driven. You're not that concerned about the child. It's one-way communication. There's lots of rules and discipline. Mm -hmm. And then what we are uh, is authoritarian. or Not authoritarian. (laughs) Not that one. Sorry. What we are is authoritative. So that is kind of working together with the child there's two open, two-way communication. There are clear rules and expectations that are set. You're still the boss. You're still the boss, but... It's not a power whole, struggle. You're firm, but loving. That's right. And so loving. Yes. So you can be firm and fun. These are the rules, but when you break the rules or when you cross the boundary, there is natural and logical consequences that are put in place. But if you want to advocate for yourself, you want to have a conversation with mom and dad, we're open to that. It doesn't mean you're going to get what you want. It doesn't mean you're going to get the answer you might want, um, but we're open to listening. Now, sometimes, yes, there is a marrying of authoritative and authoritarian because sometimes... That is just what it is. I don't need to explain myself to you, or maybe I've said something to you five, six times, and now this is, you know, 
I, I'm now moving to the point of yelling, this is the rule, this is not what you're going to do, it's not an option, and it's come to that. So I think all parents can kind of understand that. You want to work with your child, but sometimes they just need to listen and do what they're told. Well, and maybe the best way, I don't know if it's the best way, but maybe we shouldn't say that there's a part of authoritarian in authoritative, but really authoritative just has moments of stern, like, you just need to listen to what I say. This is not time to explain right. it. If you need kid's to respect the, me as the adult. That's right. And uh, our, our one daughter, Trinity, she loves to talk and question some of our decision making in the moment or the very worst time possible. Mm-hmm. And we we work hard and we have with kids in the past to say, this is not the time to advocate. Right now is not the time where you should start bringing up this rando thing that's not even connected to this or all the complaints that you've you've suddenly bottled, wanted, up. bottled up and you <laughs> want to bring to our attention at this moment or just before bed. Right, right. And so, yeah, and if those four parenting types, if you look at them on a sheet of paper or whatever, uh, they're in quadrants, right? Mm-hmm. So... Permissive is upper left. Right. Neglectful is bottom left. Authoritative is upper right. Authoritarian is bottom right. Yeah, so and you could see why authorita- uh, authoritative is would we as authoritative parents would oppose uh, some of the the ideas or the ways things are carried out in a permissive parent. Uh, maybe the kid you see at the grocery store who is throwing an absolute tantrum, and the parent is trying to appease them by giving them something more, or oh no 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 we don't say that and. We've seen this before, and this, the kid is smacking them in hands the face. Hands are for hugging, not hitting. Yes, hands are for hugging, not hitting, as the kid smacks the, the adult. And uh, so that's a very permissive approach as um, completely um, opposite. Well, of, some people might say, okay, Mr. Godfrey, what would you do in that situation when your kid smacks you? What would you say? <laughs> what would I say? Yeah, I'm putting you on the spot. What would you do with your toddler who just smacked you? Oh, um, or your preschooler. that would be a removal from their, their audience immediately. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, um, in control, because that's the big struggle as adults. So we need to maintain control, our own control right. and not get in the situation. Now, obviously me personally, I would not be that embarrassed except that my kid is acting like a total turd in front of everyone. That would be embarrassing to me because I don't teach them to be that way. Right. Not because the kid acts this way and people have to see it. You know what I mean? Does that make sense? Yes. So um, I would say, okay, so we have to maintain control (laughs) and doing that takes self-control, obviously. The child would be like, hey, you're coming with me and it would be out to the parking lot or whatever, removed from the audience. Mm -hmm. But... And from there, it would be, you know, talking to them. If they're throwing a tantrum... I. I'm not so sure I can say that I would know exactly what to do in that situation because the few times that our kids decided to go down the tantrum road, mm-hmm. it it didn't get the required results that they were looking for. No, and I think if we were at home and they threw tantrums, I'd be like, all right, well, have fun with that, and I'd walk away Yeah, and go do something else. I'm not going to stand here and entertain this. I'm not going to try to talk to you through it. Well, it was the removal done, of the audience, it. right? You, yeah. you were the audience. You removed yourself. Right. And hey, when you're done acting the fool, let me know. Come and we'll have a discussion about this. Right. Yeah. And so it, I'm not trying to skirt the question, but I am saying that that the kid who is throwing a complete fit out in public just to for you know for whatever reason they're not getting something else that they want or to get the parents' attention or whatever. Um, 
we we haven't had that a lot of times because we never allowed that to be something that would get the kid. You cut it off really yeah. early and talk but to they're, that they're, very early. They're trying to get something: attention, food, whatever, right. a need. You know, sometimes it's it's just all over the place, and uh, that is a response that they're trying out, or is a part of their their kit bag, if you will, of responses to get what they want. Well, some of them are learned responses. Every time I throw a tantrum, mm-hmm. I wait long enough. Mom and or dad give in, and I get what I want. Yeah, and if I do it in public, oh, oh you should boy, see you how can't... quick mom and dad react. Mm-hmm. It's Mm-mm. great. So yeah, like, you do that, you definitely won't be getting it. That's right. For sure. But I will say, I think one of the things that we did really well with our high school girls, we haven't had to really do it with our boys because it hasn't come up, but when we did disagree on something and if they were, you know, kind of heated at the moment or upset at the moment, we we would say, well, this is our decision for now. If you would like to, you know, quote unquote, appeal it or come back and talk about it later, you may advocate for yourself appropriately, Mm -hmm. but you need to make sure you're calmed down, you've thought through everything and you can come back. And you can advocate for yourself and we'll talk about it and maybe I'll change my mind, maybe I won't. And sometimes we did. We heard their side and we're like, all right, fair point. And sometimes we said, thank you, but we're still standing by what the decision was. But I think putting out the the discipline or the decision and then teaching your kids when they are ready to calmly come back, have a conversation and advocate for themselves age appropriately, I think that's a great skill to teach kids because then they can take that skill on to other places and other people in life. And they learn to stand up for themselves in an appropriate way. Yeah, there was absolutely times where they would come back in that calm state. And it wasn't like, let me tell you my side of things. It was like, no, I was, they were out, they were removed from their own emotions at that point. Um, And they were realizing that what they did was just out of control or they were just like, no, I was just angry, you know? Mm -hmm. So they're, yeah, remove again. Rem- the audience is removed. It's later in the at, at, than the the moment of frustration or anger or whatever it is, and oftentimes they'll come to the conclusion themselves or saying, "Hey, this is my perspective." I remember Trent and Sid, one of those two, and and they're younger. They're eleven and thirteen, but they were getting frustrated that we were scheduling so many things, mm-hmm. and they were kind of getting busy with play practice or this piano or us moving to Gretna for three days only to come back to the school, whatever it was, and. I, I, it was probably trend, but she was just really getting aggravating. <laughs> she, she just had an attitude. She mm-hmm. was just nitpicking and just, and we're like, it's so easy to tell because her, her personality normally is not like that. So when she acts that way, something clearly is bothering mm-hmm. her. Right. And later uh, she just expressed outside of that moment of frustration and reaction. She was, she basically broke down and said, like she didn't like that she had no control over all of these things that we were planning. You know, it's just like, let's go. And we're going to our friend's house. Normally she'd love to go to those friends' house, but because we were just hopping from place to place to place to place, thing to thing, she was just overwhelmed and frustrated. And so it came out in a frustrating moment of her crying or doing whatever, but we were able to talk about it. And that was a moment where like, okay, from that perspective, like fair enough, like mom and dad have been going kind of, you know, 100 yeah. miles per hour and here. And I'm glad she said that because I can identify with that feeling of feeling overscheduled and you're tired and you just want to rest. Yeah. Yeah, and kids don't, I mean, they're gaining independence as they get older, but you are their advocates, right? Right. And so whenever their advocates are the ones who are kind of bothering them, <laughs> they have to navigate how to 
how to approach you. You're the, right. I mean, you're the gatekeeper in, in many ways. And so we as parents have to be open too to understand that because we have so much control, loving, it should be definitely loving leadership, right? Servant yes. leadership yes. in that position. Um, I think it's one of great importance to, to lead your kids and to love them and to set boundaries and give them chores and all these things. But in, in those moments where they need to be heard, we need to make sure that we're open enough to hear what they have to say because sometimes we are the rule keeper and the advocate at the same time. So, yeah, anything else more on the chore thing? I mean, just along the same lines as what we're talking about here, the chores are just so, we think, important for the kids' growth, even in your own home. And when they leave your home, even practical things like they know how to do laundry. They know how to clean a floor. I mean, are they, are you assuming they have to learn that once they leave your home and they never know that ever in their life? Or they're not going to do it or they're going to pay someone else? The, the one comment the one person says, my, you know, um, we never had chores and my kids have never had chores and we all turned out fine. And I said to Kate, I was like, that's interesting. Um, this person is doing a 100% self-assessment of her or I don't, was it a she? I don't I even think know. So. Her and her kids are 100% fine. But is that reality? <clears throat> I once read a book by Pete Blabber, I think his name was. Wow. He, well, yeah, it's a funny name, I guess. But he was a Delta Force operator, which is like the Navy SEALs of the Army. And uh, he wrote this book on leadership. It was phenomenal. And uh, he talked about um, reality is not reality unless it's shared. Um, and I'm sure that that's not his exact wording for the point, but it was that idea that that what you think is true is not true unless basically the collective believed that to be the, the case as well. Like the Mandela effect. Sort of, yeah, mm. which we can get into in a second. But So if I think that I'm a really good guy, but nobody else thinks I'm a really good guy, am I a really good guy? I've been meaning to tell you. <laughs> they don't think so. No. Good. Well, that's good because I don't think so either. Ha! And I'm telling I you on you the all. podcast. That's right. Slam dunk. Slam dunk. You know, we grew up without having any chores and my kids grew up without having any chores and by golly, we're all good. Well, I hope so. I, You know, it is possible and things, but we do believe uh, having your kids do something. It, honestly, the younger they are too, the something that they do does not even have to be important. It does not even have to get something done. It's just the value of them contributing and working with kids for as long as we have too. And, and, our, and those who have worked with kids around us for 20 years plus, just a wealth of knowledge. Kids want to feel like they belong. They want to feel like they have an impact. We all want to feel like we have an impact. And so kids are no different. And even around your house, I mean, how many times have they wanted to help put silverware in the dishwasher? Or, or help you serve dinner or right. make dinner. But even as, you know, I was talking to... Well, Elena commented on the post and she said that she's even starting really young with her two-year-old, teaching her two-year-old. Like toddlers and preschoolers love to help. Yep. They watch mom and dad and they want to help. Now you're just like, can I do the dishes, mommy? Like you maybe you can, you know, very monitored and supervised so they're not breaking things. But they want to help. That's how yep. they start learning and that's how they develop you know, they get out of their egocentrism. Everything is not about me. That's right. And they develop a heart of service for others, whether it just starts with their family unit, it's going to go out to other people. They'll start to notice needs outside in the world and be willing to step up and help. And I think, you know, our job as parents is to raise responsible adults. You want them to be responsible and 
effective and prepared, they need to become responsible adults and know how to care for themselves and fly a little birdie. Fly. Right. So when you start talking about chores, it's really responsibility, it's accountability, owning your part, and helping out the family unit. Mm -hmm. Because you live there, things are provided for you, but this is how you give back and you take part. And clearly the chores need to be consistent with your kid's schedule. As they get older, they can do... And age appropriate. Yeah. Of course. They can do more to help out around the house, but also they might be greatly involved with with those sports or with whatever. So you you make it fit in. Again, it's not so much about the task being completed because Mm -hmm. sometimes, especially when they're younger, we could do these things quicker by far. In the student home... A kitchen cleanup. There's times where I look at you and be like, I just want to clean all this up real quick. Yes. Like get everyone out of my kitchen. Because they talk, <laughs> they get distracted. They get distracted. All the, things. the the grease is not off this pan oh and you're gosh. like oh but um yeah, so it's not about the completion of the task necessarily. It's just giving them things that they can contribute and learn and help to do. And as they get older, that dovetails perfectly into being helpful citizens, uh helpful roommates. Mm-hmm. Um, people who see that there's a need uh, for dishes, even even going to somebody's house as a as a young adult, and noticing that they made you meal and saying, "Hey, let's let's do the dishes quick. I'll help out." Mm-hmm. You know, just being helpful. Showing they appreciation. Have, that's right. But it's it's more than just doing. It's also seeing, having the ability to see that there's a need and fill it and fill it. Yes, or offer to fill it. At least. And you grew up. I mean, you learned that really easily the way you grew up. Yes. Yeah, so I I was a part of a, a really small church growing up who was very, very tight-knit family type. I mean, many of the people there are just literally like family to me. And uh, we we just pitched in with everything. Yeah. I mean, from you my... Ta- you were taught how to serve. Oh, absolutely. From a very young age. Absolutely. And we were there all the time. We you know, I always say that we were the we were the dance troupe. We were the the comedy. We were the, um, you know, the the people who would do plays or music, we were involved with everything. And again, it was like a small group of family and uh, we just learned all that stuff. And, and really, honestly, I am the person I am today because Mm -hmm. of that church, because of those people who were so much a part of my life. And, um, and my, my parents as well also raised us to be the same way. It wasn't just a, a taking, you weren't a kid who was just a taker. Yes. And well said. Good God, I don't want to raise kids who are takers and all they do is take. Yes. And raising your kids not to have any responsibility or that all that their job is to is to play. Well, if that's the if that's your position, then why are they going to school? I mean, shouldn't they just be playing all day? Well, they said play. Well, one said play and like do schoolwork. Mm. Okay. But I'm guessing one who said play probably has younger children. But then someone even mentioned. Having a two-year-old sort recycling, which really threw me off because I was like, "What?" In a bad, like they were saying in a bad way. Well, yeah, but wh- I mean, what if, are you talking if the about? recycling is broken, like, is it broken? broken? Is it glass? dirty? Like, <laughs> why are they sorting it? I don't even understand what that point was. I just it took me aback because it was implied that I was a bad mother because I was having my children do chores. Therefore, I failed as a mother, and it was. Very strongly implied that I was lazy and did not love my children. I resent that. My first negative feedback on social media. So we're at 38 minutes. Why don't we go ahead and wrap this up? I was going to talk about uh, some of the food that I made this weekend. The samgeitong. Mm-hmm. Yes, you heard that right, folks. That Say it again, honey. Samgeitong. Wow. I don't know if I'm saying it right. You can tell them how for- we discovered it. And we can save it for another episode. Maybe okay. I'll interview you on your cooking. Sure. 
Yes, that would be fun. Are you sure? You don't seem sure. <laughs> I'm not sure if I am sure. Okay. Check in with me later. <laughs> okay. We were watching Kim's Convenience. Which On is Netflix. A, yeah. It's a Netflix show about a Korean family living in Canada. And they run a little convenience store. And it's it's cute. It's fun. Um, there's just the cultural stuff is hilarious. And um, a, a lot of it we had to look up afterwards <laughs> because we don't we didn't know what it meant. Or yes. like, is that a thing? Dong Chim is one of those. Oh, my God. And I'm not even going to spell it look because it up. Just actually, yes, look it up because figure it, it out and look it up yourself. I have not stopped laughing about this. This is a thing in Korea. Yes, it is. Where There's you, even statues. You take your fingers and it is a fun pastime <laughs> and totally acceptable to ram those fingers put together to like, I'm, I'm like making a gun like with my hands and you jam them up somebody's butt. They are wearing pants, just, but nevertheless... Let's just let that marinate for a second. Our, our one friend, Corey, who used to be a teacher, I think, in Japan. I think it was Japan. I don't know. He's like, oh, no, no. They totally have this version of Dongqin, which is the Korean version of this thing, oh um, in Japan. He's like, I was a school... Now, I was teaching English as an American teacher. He said that uh, they would totally, at first, do this to him. Oh, my <laughs> gosh. An teacher. Oh, yeah. And he's like, hey... Everyone sit down. Listen to me. This is not something... We do not do this in America. We are not jamming no. your fingers up the teacher's butt. Oh my gosh. It, which is a conversation he had to have with them. So we saw this Dong Chim, but they did it on Kim's Convenience, the two guys who are two of the main characters. And they do this and we're like, what the heck? <laughs> is this real? And we look it up. Sure enough, it's very real. I think it's hysterical that they made a statue. Oh of yeah, people doing it to each other. There's like, a bronze statue of a, I think a boy, or it's a girl. Like, I don't know. but the, they get the, people on the camera. Kid, the kid up is on trying people. to get away from the in the, the statue, this bronze statue. Yes, the kid is yes. trying to get away from the other kid. They both are laughing joyously. Just look it up. Look as, it up, and please, as the gun type finger us. at hand is trying oh, to ram gosh. the other in the butt. Oh jeez. <sighs> I'm sorry. I hope if you're listening to this that you are full of laughter. I have not stopped laughing about Dong Chim ever since I learned about it. But the same show, uh, Kim's Convenience, they, they, uh, the mom was trying to cook this, this uh, soup for her son, and it's Samgaitang. And uh, I, I was like, okay, that sounds familiar. Basically, it, not familiar, it sounds interesting. Well, I immediately looked at you and I was like, you're going to rewind that, aren't you? You need to know what that is. Mm -hmm. You're going to look it up and make it. It's basically a ginseng chicken soup. It, yes. It yeah. was so delicious. It was delicious. It was so, the best chicken soup I have ever had. I went to the Asian grocer because I told her we watched that, what, like Thursday night or something like yeah. that. I said, okay, I've got to make some gintong. And uh, they sell these packets, these little kits, because it comes with like, I'm not even kidding, at least four, three or four different um, woods, like bark and woods and roots wow. so there's one that's like a mulberry it looks like a, a thin tree that somebody sliced at mm -hmm. an angle mm -hmm. and that's one of the the flavorings we took pictures so yeah these pictures will be on my instagram story it was really cool so check it out so this it's all these like herbal parts the ginseng mm -hmm. um and then you you take a whole chicken. Now the recipe is supposed to be made with a Cornish hen. You plop it in there with all this stuff, and then you put glutinous rice, which would be very similar or is the same as uh, sushi rice. A very 
very uh, um, delicious. delicious kind of silky rice when it's all done, but in the cavity of the bird. And then when it's all done boiling for or simmering for, you know, an hour, an hour and a half, you have this delicious broth that's supposed to be, you know, life-sustaining and healing. And what's crazy about samgyetong is it's traditionally ate in the summertime. You mean eaten? eaten. Oh my gosh, I did it again. It's eaten. It's eaten in the in summertime. The summertime. Um, traditionally by Koreans because they believe, that from what I read, at least four different places, that the hot soup in the summer will cause them to sweat, causing their bodies to cool itself. It's like, the, and it's also, I think, associated with a certain time of year that they kind of do it. But so we had it on Sunday with so the, with the students and and our family, and uh, everyone loved it. Got high praise of it. it's a samgyetang. Yes. Yep. Stuff with with rice and we're so chicken. So blessed to have you. That's right. It was good, but we were not going to talk about it. But I just but did. You just did. Yeah. Well then. Well, we can talk about more because I had a, quite a few things going on in the kitchen that day that that was uh, a lot of you fun. Always do. Anything else to add? No, I think that's it for this episode. Okay. Well, until next time, take care, everybody. Bye.